All right, welcome back to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. You know, friends, if, uh, if, if you're not a Christian and you're thinking about becoming a Christian, I would encourage that. Go see me or Moline or Poppy, and we'd love to give you instruction and uh, give you holy baptism and incorporate you into God's holy church to receive Christ's body and blood, etc. But I warn you, to become a Christian doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to be happy, slappy, clappy like uh, Joel Osteen teaches down there in Houston, Texas. Jesus says that part of living in the last days, according to Matthew 24, is is that they will deliver you up to tribulation, and they will put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations. Why? For my name's sake. This reminds me of what Jesus says in John's Gospel. John records this numerous times. Uh, I'm thinking of John 15 just off the top of my head. And Moline, of course, he always looks these things up to make sure I'm quoting these things correctly. He's always the uh, the fact checker, which I'm thankful for. But, I, you know, I think it's John 15 where Jesus says, you know, they hate me, they're going to hate you. You're going to suffer for being a Christian. Now, again, I'm not saying that uh, we, we welcome this necessarily or we search it out. You know, you don't, you don't look for the, you don't try and make the cross happen to your life. But I'm just simply saying, that to be a Christian, to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's certain things that come with the territory. For example, when you, when you receive holy baptism, whether you're an adult or whether you're a child, and by the way, you know, we Lutherans, we baptize people the same, whether they're adults or children. <laughs> with water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And secondly, whether you're, a, whether you're an infant, uh, an adolescent, or a senior citizen, you all renounce the devil all his works and all his ways, and you confess the triune God. And the, why I'm bringing this up in connection with Matthew 24 is, see, when, you're, when you receive holy baptism and you receive God's divine and saving name and you confess that you believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and at the same time renouncing the devil and all his works and all of his ways, well, guess what? The devil is going to come after you because he's your enemy big time now. Before you were converted and received baptism, you were a part of his kingdom, and he didn't need to worry about you one bit. But now he's going to come after you. And he's going to employ two other entities, for lack of better terminology, to try and get you back under his domain and rule, namely the world and your old sinful nature. Now let's talk about the world here, because that's the point here in Matthew 24, verse 9. You will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. I think it's safe to say that we are beginning to see this in the United States, a soft uh, hatred, if you will, in this country. In some parts, it's a hard hatred and getting harder and harder and harder. So that's the distinction I'm making, a soft hatred where uh, these Christians, you know, we really don't like them. You know, I wish they'd just go away, but we'll tolerate them for a little bit. But now I think we're beginning to see in the United States that it's moving from a soft to a hard hatred. Namely, it's not just... uh, okay, it's, no, they need to be eliminated. And we're going to take means and actions to, to get rid of these people. And, and we see this especially uh, in the political realm. We see this in uh, the world of Washington. We see uh, people who are open about their Christianity or just go to church on Sunday are, are mocked, they're ridiculed. Uh, our our vice president, Vice President Pence, is oh, yes. openly mocked and ridiculed because he's faithful to his wife, and he talks about uh, things that he does so that he is not led into temptation. And people are merciless in in how they mock and ridicule him. And I think this is 
this is evidence, and it's not just him, but I think this is evidence of the growing acceptance of openly persecuting Christianity or anything remotely connected to Christianity. You mentioned Vice President Pence's name. Do you remember? I think he was the governor of the state of Indiana when he, together with the legislature in Indiana, passed. And I'm doing this off the top of my head, so you'll have to help me on this. Remember the, the Religious Freedom Act, something along this line, which would allow Christians to exercise their religion and their faith freely without being persecuted or hounded by anyone. For example, if a, a homosexual couple came to you and said, will you marry us? You could say, no, that's against my faith. And you would not be persecuted by the federal government or the state government. Well, you remember when that, uh, when that passed? Do you remember that? The, the full force of the world and government agencies and sports agencies came down hard on the state of Indiana. And North Carolina tried to do the same thing, you remember, with the bathroom issue and the transgender issue. And the state of North Carolina paid for it dearly in financial uh, cost. You know, the, all the NCAA tournaments that were scheduled to be held in North Carolina over that one year, I forget what year it was, canceled it, et cetera. Adam's looking something up. He's got something he wants to tell us. <clears throat> no, it was uh, Mike Pence uh, signed that bill back. Um, make sure I get the He's our fact here. checker. I'm so glad for this. In uh, March 26, 2015, he signed that bill into law. So, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. And just by simply saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to make sure that Christians can exercise their faith freely, all of a sudden, that was like the most demonic thing that could happen in the world ever. That sounds like tolerance <laughs> to me. I thought that was a good thing. Uh, isn't, that, isn't that amazing, the double standard that is uh, so prevalent in our world? But I just, you know, I, I didn't want to get, drag us down the uh, political rabbit hole. I just wanted to bring that out as one example of how it has become very, very commonplace and culturally accepted to mock, ridicule, and persecute Christians. Therefore, do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, because Jesus says that one of the signs of living in the last days, before the last day comes, is they will deliver you, you, you disciples of me, you Christians. He's not just talking about pastors here when he says you in Matthew 24. He's talking about his believers, his hangers-on, his trusters. They will deliver you up to tribulation. And, and again, to kind of bring us back to where we've been before on this particular topic, this is what's been happening then since the time of the Ascension. It's happened a time and time again. We can read about it in the book of Acts. It happened with, um, you know, even uh, other missionaries uh, as the word spread further and further across pagan areas of Europe and Asia. Uh, it's happened uh, here in the United States in some regard, and it will continue to happen all the way until Christ brings this world to its end. And so... Well, go ahead. You shouldn't be surprised about it. it it's, it's been happening, and it will keep happening. So I, you, you brought something up from the book of Acts. I want you to say more about this, Adam, because, yes, what Jesus says here in Matthew 24 already is being fulfilled after the time of the ascension in, in Acts. So what happens to Peter and John? What happens to the apostles for preaching the gospel? They well, get put in what? 
Well, it starts by jail. They get beaten, and, and I love it. <laughs> Say the grave, <laughs> right? You know, ultimately the grave. Eleven of the twelve apostles, uh, some in scripture and some by church tradition, were uh, martyred for their faith. All except for Saint John, who uh, was was uh, exiled to the island of Patmos. Uh, they tried to boil him alive in hot oil, and it didn't work, according to church tradition. Uh, so he was exiled to Patmos, which is where we get the book of Revelation from. And uh, perhaps it's he's kept alive in that suffering to record for us that book of Revelation to give us comfort and peace as we face this time of tribulation. Let's go to Acts 5, just to see this uh, a clincher. Okay. Yep. Acts 5, the, verse 17. The high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees. I mean, these were the elites. These are the elites. These are the moneyed elites at the time, okay? And they're also false teachers, by the way, the Sadducees. If you don't know what the Sadducees taught, folks, look it up online. They were false teachers, just as Jesus warned us about in Matthew 24. False Christ, false prophets. Sadducees are these. Now, what are they going to do? They're filled with jealousy. And what they do in verse 18? They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. They didn't put them under house arrest. They put them, they put them where the rats were. They put them where the most worst criminals were, in the public prison, where the other cr- criminals would you know, do things yep. to them, harm them physically, etc. Which in uh, Israel at that time, I mean, you can go visit some of them that still exist today. What it is is a pit that's dug down, and uh, as they dig a tunnel underground in the, the dark and the cold and the damp, they leave little holes open where they can tie your hands up above your head, and you hang that way 24 hours a day, seven days a week until you're out of the prison, uh, things like that. Or maybe just had a big pit they threw you down in the bottom of, and that's the reality of the prison they're talking about here. Yeah, so just, just, uh, just to clinch this point on prison, this wasn't the Andy Griffith show prison in Mayberry with the two cells in Mayberry where you had the... Uh, where Otis the, is sleeping it off. Yeah, where you, there's no rocking chairs, there's no doilies, there's no sink, there's no toilet, there's no water. There's no fresh apple pie That's from right. the lady across the street who feels sorry for the... Yeah, Aunt B didn't come and bring you sweet tater pie and dumplings and all that kind of stuff. This was... So when they put them in public prison, this is to... Make sure that they get the message, you'd better knock this off, boys, because if you don't, it's going to get worse. And and it does get worse. I mean, not to trample on you here, but Acts 12, then James is killed by the sword, not uh, just like a wound in a battle or anything, but they they knelt him down and they stabbed him with a sword through the neck and the throat to kill him. And then uh, you have Peter imprisoned again in Acts chapter 12, uh, and then it happens as they spread out into places like... uh, Paul, when he goes to Philippi, he's jailed there as well in the uh, the pagan uh, public prison before being tried in the forum the next day. I mean, this happens again and again and again and again. One more example from Acts. Acts 9, verse 1. Saul, what's he doing? He's breathing. I love this language in, in Acts. He's breathing threats. I mean, that's, that's pretty graphic. <laughs> It isn't just Paul spoke. It's he's breathing threats. This is like Antichrist because, you know, in the New Testament, you have Jesus in John 20. He breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now you have Antichrist in Acts 9. Saul, he breathes threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And who's he go to? He goes to the high priest and he asks for letters 
So he's going to be official about this. This isn't just Saul doing his own little thing. He's going to make sure that all the the dots, the the, the, uh, the I's have been dotted, the T's have all been crossed, so that when he persecutes the Christians and kills them, all the authorities will say, good job, man, you followed all, you followed the letter of the law. No problem here, no problem. And he goes to the high priest, he asks for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's what the Christians were called back then, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. You know, we, had, we spent all this time on Antichrist, and I forgot about Saul. Saul, Antichrist, and breathing out threats. I forgot about that, so I'm glad I remembered that today, because that's just, just, that, just so delicious for me. And by the power of the word, what happens to Saul, Antichrist? <laughs> <laughs> he's converted <laughs> he's converted yeah. and uh in in as big a miracle as there is in all of scripture uh second only to the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead saul who literally breathes out hatred against the church is converted to the faith by the way i know we have just short time but folks Remember that in Daniel, in the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament, you remember you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you have Daniel, who will not commit idolatry. And it's interesting what happens with the authorities, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar or Darius. Oh, I hear the music. we got to quit. I'm going to pick this up the next time we meet. So, beat, stay Lutheran, my friends. Bye-bye. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. I stayed Lutheran during the break. I'm glad you did. (laughs) That's about as long as you can. I I struggled with it. Praise Jesus. (laughs) Matthew 24, when Jesus says, they will deliver you up to tribulation, and they will put you to death, you'll be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. That's Matthew 24, 9. This is one of the signs of living in the last days. I couldn't help then but think of what Jesus had previously said in Matthew's Gospel in Matthew 10. So if you've got that, you might want to take a look at that because this is really, really important. When he, when he sends out his preachers, he says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. See, this happens in Acts, doesn't it? As we were talking about before the break. It does over and over and over again. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. That's yep. what happens. Yep. And then, Felix I mean, and Festus? We're culminating there with Felix and Festus, and then also church tradition is is that um, actually Paul appeals his case to Caesar and eventually proclaims the gospel in front of Emperor Nero in Rome before uh, being executed uh, during the... Uh, persecution following the fire of Rome. And we also have in his letters that he mentions there are some in the house of Caesar who are Christians. Uh, And so we know at least to some extent those related to the Julio-Claudian dynasty believe in Jesus Christ. 
fascinating. Isn't, I was going to say, it, it's mesmerizing when he talks like that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I could, I could listen to it, it all day. We we talked. I mean, this morning. You, you, I do. You get sick of it after like yes, thirty or forty right. days. But uh, <laughs> not me. I'm, no, a, he's, I'm a history guy. I he's, love this. And guy. and he's a great gift to the church and a great gift to Good Shepherd with regard to his uh, extensive knowledge of uh, isagogical kind of stuff, historical connecting so many dots. Uh, it's it's really a great blessing. Great blessing. Now notice in Matthew ten, you're going to be dragged before governors. And kings for my sake. Why? To bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And I mentioned before the break that I, I mentioned Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That the three, the three young Hebrew men who've been given the Babylonian name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they do not commit idolatry. They will not bow down and worship the, the statue of gold, the image of gold, when they hear the orchestra play. They're thrown into the fiery furnace. They're not harmed at all, not even, not even the, their clothes are singed. And, of course, when Nebuchadnezzar looks in the, in the furnace, there's an, an additional uh, person in the uh, fire with them protecting them. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar confesses it to be an angel of, of the Lord. Uh, could be Jesus, you know, you never know. Oh. I, I think there's a strong, <laughs> strong evidence it probably is. That he protects his, his believers. And uh, so they're pulled out of the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar gives praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he actually, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, but he issues a decree for all of the, the empire of Babylon that no one can say anything bad about, about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because if you do, there'll be consequences. Just like, just like Mike Pence. Just like Mike Pence in uh, in Indiana that we talked about previous program or whatever, a... Uh, Basically, a religious freedom. You can't persecute these people. Oh, I see. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, um, work works out. I mean, God's God's providence, the power of God's word, all of these things working together so that people would hear and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. Another example of what Jesus says to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. This has already happened in the church of the Old Testament. So you've got Daniel. Who you know a law is passed by Darius, a law of the Medes and the Persians, which means it cannot be revoked. <laughs> so within what is it, thirty days? For the next thirty days, I think that's correct. I'm doing this off the top of my head, you know, and the old man sometimes forgets some of the details. But I think it's thirty days. The law is passed that you cannot pray except to who Darius, and if you pray to anyone except Darius, then you will be thrown into the den of lions. Well, of course, Daniel's enemies passed this law because they know that Daniel can't be corrupted, he can't be bribed. Remember, Daniel is a high official in Darius's government. He's like second in command, if you will. He's so reliable. You can depend on Daniel to get the work done, and the work can be done with integrity and honesty and loyalty, so we're going to let this guy do it. Now, just a side note. Can you imagine if you've been a Mede or a Persian all of your life working in the apparatus of, for, for, of the Washington, D.C. of that time? trying to climb the ladder politically all of your life, and then all of a sudden, a Hebrew, a Hebrew, a Hebrew is now given the job that you've wanted all of your life, or you've wanted one of your relatives to get this job, so that you can be part of the crony system and become just wealthy beyond belief in the, in the empire of uh, Darius. Uh, and all of a sudden, Daniel gets the job. And so that's why his political and religious enemies passed this law, because they know that he won't keep it. They know he'll disobey it. So the first thing when the law is passed, well, Daniel, 
does his normal thing. He goes to his room and he prays. And he does it how many times a day? Three times a day. Three times a day. Well, they catch him in the act and they bring him before and Darius is just heartbroken because, you know, can't I overturn my edict? Nope, nope. So, you know, he doesn't sleep at night. He doesn't eat at night. He doesn't bring in the belly dancers for entertainment. He just can't sleep all night because he has to throw Daniel in. And the point is, is that God sends his angels to protect Daniel in the lion's den and they pull him out and he's not harmed. And what's the point? Ah, Darius then gives praise to the God of Daniel. The power of the one true God. I saw one walking around uh, that looked like a son of God. And, and it's interesting, too, because the understanding for these Persian and Babylonian folks uh, is that the king, the ruler, is essentially God on earth, that he's been placed there by um, their God, uh, which they would they would call him Ahura Mazda, uh, that that particular God places the ruler over all these people, and he needs to be treated as God on earth, in essence. And it's great then at the end of this in Daniel 6, you're talking about uh, Darius writes and sends to all the places that Daniel's God is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And that's an incredible confession as a result of this coming from the guy who everybody believes is the real God on earth. Side note, this is precisely we have magi from the east who come to worship the Christ child. That's where these magi came from, this part of the world and these kingdoms. In the from, from Persia and from Sheba, yep. and so both of those places, they come together and, and meet up and head that direction. There were people who were converted in these kingdoms, Gentiles who were converted, and that's why you have magi coming from the east to worship the one-born king of the Jews. That's a side note. Now back to Matthew 10. So Jesus says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, I'm doing this because of what he says in Matthew 24, verse 9. They're going to hand you over to tribulation. You're going to be hated by all the nations of the world uh, for my name's sake. Uh, Beware of men, verse 17. They'll deliver you over to courts, flog you in their synagogues. You'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. See this? Notice we don't despair when this happens. This is my point. It took me a long time to get to it, but I'm going to make the point now. So when you, brother or sister in Christ, whether you're a a layman or whether you're a pastor, when this happens to you, do not despair because you will bear witness to Christ. You will. God, Christ himself and the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, as we're going to hear in just a minute, and you will bear witness to Christ and God's word will convert people. See, that, we're afraid. We're afraid. Well, if I confess Christ, I'll lose my life. Well, you may. I may go to jail. You may. But there's something worse than going to jail and, and dying. It's, it's called going to hell. But you have, you have a promise that you won't. So therefore, they can do anything they want to you. And, and in addition, you can give witness to Christ and be confident that Christ may convert this person through your witness. Isn't that amazing? That's exactly what the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do, their confession. You know, God can certainly save us if he wants to. Right. Even if he doesn't. And even if he doesn't, he's still God. And And I think that's, that's where we're at today. And that betrays the faith that they have in the promise of God that's carried throughout the Old Testament 
in the Savior that is to come. It brings us all the way back then to Jesus. And, and uh, we were doing a different radio show before this talking about the, uh, the sacrifice of Isaac where Abraham confesses that uh, even should he kill Isaac, he and Isaac will come back in a few days after this sacrifice takes place because it's a confession and the resurrection and right. that God has made a promise to be fulfilled through Isaac uh, and his offspring. And, and that's, that's the great faith that we all share and, and love and have throughout all generations of history. So I've, I've just hypothetically gone through my head numerous times just for the sake of, all right, now what am I going to do if this happens to me? And, of course, in, in my boldness, I'm kind of like Peter. I'm, you know, <laughs> well, I would never, even if I have to die for you. That's how I think, you know, and I'm, I'm like Peter, you know. But when, when time comes, I pray that I'm not like Peter and betray the, or deny the Lord. Now, but, but even that is not based on your own works. If, in that instance, God gives the strength to face whatever comes your way, Peter was able to go to the cross and die in faith by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says in Matthew 10, verse 19, when they deliver you over, don't be anxious how you are to speak. See, Kuhlman's kind of anxious about this. I need to repent of my anxiety on this. So don't be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death. Father is child. Children rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all. For my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This this is very parallel to Matthew twenty four. Now here's here's the point I wanted to get to is when the time comes, when you're brought before kings and authorities, you will bear witness to Christ. And this text, of course, is quoted by our Lutheran fathers in the context of ordination and the gifts given in ordination. I'm not sure if many people are aware of this, so I want them to be aware of it. This is a both and here. This text in the in the uh, not the larger context, but the immediate context. This is with the ones he sends out to be his preachers, these, these words in Matthew 10. So when, when preachers are brought before kings and authorities, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, so don't be anxious about it. And this is part of the Lutheran fathers would always quote this text in Matthew 10 about being one of the gifts of, of ordination. When you're ordained, when you're put in the office of the ministry, don't despair because persecution's coming. And when the time comes, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And, of course, this will not just be some magical thing, of course. You've been studying the Word of God for decades, for decades and decades. And so you don't have to be anxious about what to say because you've, you know the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will call that to mind, and you'll confess Christ. In other words, here's how it'll be, hypothetically. Let's say that Adam is brought before the governor, Pete Ricketts, for his confession of Jesus Christ and his teaching of God's Word here at, at Good Shepherd. And the governor says, all right, Pastor Moline, we hear that you say these things about Jesus. What, what do you have to say about this? And hypothetically, he'd say, well, I believe that Jesus is, is God's son, that he suffered and died and rose, rose from the, the dead, dead just as he did. I believe in him. Would you like to believe in him too, Governor? I, I'd be more than happy to tell you more. Would you like to hear more? See, that's how it'll go. And this is the fulfillment of this. Now, quickly, I said this is to pastors, but also applies to all believers in Christ as well. It's a both and here in Matthew 10. And I, I think we're running out of time, aren't we? Yes. I don't hear the music, yes. so well, I'm waiting for the music. That's, you know? be, that's because I was gracious and gave <laughs> you an extra 15 seconds. Well, that's the end of this segment. So in the meantime, stay Lutheran, everybody. Bye-bye. So hold my hand, I'll walk with you, my dear.